0: Welcome to the Let's Go Recovery podcast, where we investigate sobriety and beyond that, explore solutions to help us heal at the core, where the root of our problems like addiction or alcoholism begin. We hope you hear something in today's podcast that ignites a change in your life. We're on the set today with professional life coach, a father, ex-addict, all the way from Oregon, uh, welcome to the show, James Yott. Thanks for coming in. Dude, thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's super cool to have you come all the way down, reaching out on Instagram, social media. That was uh, awesome to see our reach. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to jump right into it. Um, we talk about a lot about uh, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous having a threefold disease, a spiritual malady, a physical problem, and also a mental problem. You know what? Everybody can recover differently. And I want to talk a lot and I want to jump right into it today that you talk a lot about the body first and uh, your transformation actually happened somewhat body first. How did that go? Um, Well, I was the world's fattest tweaker. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was a 350
1: pound obese meth addict. Wow. Um, I started using intravenously towards the end of my run. And um, I just knew that I needed to change. And then there was a time I was trying to change everything. But my body told me like, hey, before you can get a job again, before you can do any of
0: all this other stuff that you need, I needed to lose weight. And I needed to lose a substantial amount of weight. How is it possible that you're a tweaker? And for those who don't know, that's meth, any speed, any fast, anything that goes fast. How is it that you're an overweight tweaker? How does that happen? Um,
1: depression is a very real thing. Um, I think when you start to spiral so deep that – uh, you're obviously going to have some sort of dual diagnosis. Oh. And it, it wasn't just addiction. It was depression. And so I literally would get high, I would paint, and then my diet, if I ate, consisted of nutty butters, <laughs> whole milk, oh, wow. and uh, root beer floats, and Cheetos. <laughs> oh, that's... And, and, and probably like a gallon of Coca-Cola a day. Oh,
0: <laughs> that's awful for your body.
1: Yeah, so like you're almost better off with the drugs. Like, Yeah, yeah probably. So the combination of the two, like... Uh,
0: uh, was really dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds great. So you have this aha moment. We talked a little bit about it, where you you know look at yourself almost in the mirror, like who you see you know can't function. Yeah. What what changed? What happened? Um, so on my 40th
1: birthday, I had gotten high, and I remember looking in the mirror. Well, first of all, I, I I'd shot up, and I'm like, I'm not feeling anything. And then I look in the mirror, and I see this monster and not just like physical unrecognition, but my eyes were sunk in and I literally like looked like my eyes were black and I'm just like, this isn't not good. <laughs> this is not good. And so I said a prayer to a God that I didn't believe in at the time. Um and God's a huge part of my recovery now. Um so I said a prayer, real simple, like, I don't know if you're there, God. I don't know if you hear me, but I'm pretty sure if you can help me quit Doing meth, like that's got to be a good place to like help change my life. (laughs) Let's start there. Yeah, we'll start there. there. Like, there's all these problems, but like, I feel like uh, meth is probably a good thing to like end. (laughs) It's
0: on the list. It's on the list. Let let me start with the meth. That's great. A lot of people, you know, it's funny, you know, we're we're joking about it, but a lot of people don't recognize that there's so much more to like putting something down. There's probably a list, a gluttony of things that we've got to stop. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, then I continued to use for another
1: one, one month and two more days. Uh, and then I went to get high on September 22nd of 2020 and I got high and then I broke all my paraphernalia and flushed probably a like quarter ounce of meth down the toilet. Wow. And that I, was your last statement? Yeah. And I, my prayer was answered and then I panicked and then I was, then I realized like, just how much I needed to feel, like like you said, it wasn't just, it wasn't just I needed to get sober. I needed to change everything about me, wow. everything. And I, I and I have worked diligently since that
0: time uh, to just to do just that. Tell me some of the things we've uh, talked on the phone a little bit, but tell all the audience some of the things you do on a on a regular basis. Maybe as a progression, what are some of the things that you do to make sure that you stay? I'm going to use the word healthy not just physically mentally anywhere you want to go with that
1: okay i think though to start um i knew i needed to like i'll start from the beginning i knew i needed to i needed to i needed to address the trauma right i knew like okay you started using drugs and alcohol at, before you turned 13 why did you do that <laughs> like I, why? why i like and i never felt peer pressured i never I went and sought it out. Like, I stole my stepdad's pot. I stole his booze. Like, oh. I, I, I sought it out. Like, I, I was never like, oh, you know. Uh, and because I, I suffered from uh, severe anger problems as a kid. And then, like, at 12 years old, I smoked pot. And I got drunk. And I'm like, holy smokes. This is right. everything. This is... <laughs> Why didn't someone give me this a long time ago? This, like... this, this is this fixes everything. <laughs> exactly. Until it doesn't. Until right. it doesn't. And, you know, then it's, you know, I know that there are some people who, Who use and then it's a quick spiral down. Like I don't want to sit here and say like from twelve to forty, it was what it was at the beginning. It it was a progression of twenty five years that took me to utter bank like utter bankruptcy in all facets of my life, marriage, financially, my relationship with my kids. It didn't happen overnight, so I knew I needed to address the trauma. And it was really hard because it was COVID. And so, trying to find a therapist and was difficult. So it was all online. It was in Zoom. It felt very unpersonable and unrelatable. But they put me on some antidepressants, and that started to help balance me out because my chemicals were in my head were way off from right. A half, you know, five to six years of heavy meth use. So it wasn't just like it was every day, right. and it was probably sleeping every fourth day. Wow. And at this point, you got a job, you're functioning, or how does that... No, no. I I hadn't worked in a long time. Um, I knew I needed to, like, lose weight. And so, we got evicted from our home. um, And my son and I went and lived at the beach. And so, at this point, I had been sober for probably six to nine months. Okay. And I... Had been walking. That's how I started to lose weight. I just started to walk. And so um, I had finally worn, bought a pair of pants and was able to wear triple extra large shirts. And I bought a pair of pants and I was in a size 44. And uh, I decided to step on a scale. And I knew I had lost some weight because, well, I was able to put a triple extra large on. And, well, I tried to put it on not long before that and I couldn't. So I knew I had lost some weight. And so I stepped on a scale... Um, 4th of July week of 21 and I was 323 pounds. Wow. And so I had probably lost like 20 to 30 pounds at this point. And I'm like, okay, I really need, like, this is way more serious than I thought. And so I just walked every day because I was trying to figure out how I was going to get my wife back, get my home back, get a car, find a place for my kids and I to leave, live. I mean, and... I had all these things I needed to do and the insanity that I was going through, like literally putting myself through was creating a sense of depression and anxiety every bit as worse as the drugs were doing to me. So I was like, well, if you're going to do this and you can't find a way to do it, walk. Like walk, do something good for your body besides drive your, like create stress and anxiety. And so I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked and I started to lose a substantial amount of weight. Then I changed my diet a little bit by just controlling what I ate, like portion control. And then once I started shedding a lot of weight doing that, I adjusted my diet more. Okay. And then I was, at this point I'm losing, I was only consuming like 1,500 to 1,800 calories a day for probably nine months. And I was losing 30 pounds a month. And oh. so I got down to like 280, to ninety. And i went to work uh as a janitor at a high school or at, at the high school in the town i lived in at the time and then that it was a weird it was it was like working in a high school and sure. there was an opportunity to go be in the nighttime janitor at a grade school and i couldn't have asked for a better job wow because i i, I in the mix of my addiction i felt like i was pure evil like everywhere i went i suffered a lot of death and loss at that time and there was just a lot of ugliness that follows the kind of addiction that I had and I felt like I just spread the plague everywhere I went and so there was a point in time I didn't leave my house for eight months Wow! like I mean I didn't leave my four walls of my house for eight months like I didn't go outside (laughs) I didn't we lived in a town of Lafayette um and the, the nearest like real town is probably like five miles away I didn't go there for five years like people thought I moved out of area yeah, yeah they, they, we didn't know you were still around because i just didn't go anywhere because i would then you know then it wasn't just the shame of my addiction it was a shame of my obesity yeah, and the that. way i how i looked and who i had become because it wasn't me and so um
0: yeah at, at that point yeah no i hate to cut you off of that at no. that point <laughs> that i that idea of identity crisis we talk a lot about how i look who i am who i've become and uh, we were just sharing like it's you're alive but you're not uh, living right. And I wasn't. I was. I wasn't living. I was alive, but I wasn't living. And so,
1: um, the job at the as a janitor at the grade school it was meager means as far but it was. I couldn't. It was a, like God put me in the job that I needed at that moment in time. It was still we were still doing COVID stuff, but I worked alone. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love to work. I'm a, okay. I'm a worker. Um, And so, you know, I had no boss. There's like, here, this is what you need to do. Here's a list of the things you need to do every day. Do them. And so I did them and they loved it. And I was able to work alone, but I, it was a very active job and I didn't have a car. So I walked. So there was a point in time for like nine months that I was walking probably 30, probably roughly 27 to 33,000 steps a day. Wow. Because I had to get to work, sure, <laughs> and I wasn't gonna. I'm too prideful to ask for rides, wow. and it was uh, is inconvenient for people to give me a ride. Like you know, I worked from three to eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, uh, three in the afternoon to eleven at night, so it's inconvenient to ask for people, and I'm not gonna. I don't know. I was already couch surfing and I was you're already that guy. Yeah, I was already that guy. I'm I'm forty one years old and I'm that guy. Right.
0: (laughs) You know, like so you hit on something that's kind of key, not just in your physical fitness, and and we'll get into that part of it. Like obviously that's pretty key for your journey and your recovery, but you're talking about taking one small step, whether that's the job you do, so many people get sober. They want everything in their life to be fixed. You want your family fixed. You want your finances fixed. But in reality, you're talking about taking a fairly entry level position, entry level job. You're talking about um, you know, just losing a couple pound and just putting one step in front of one foot in front of the other, taking small steps so that you can make big changes. Talk to me a little bit about that idea of just moving somewhere, just making one adjustment, just changing one little thing. Um something I, I I'm I talked
1: to a, for lack of a better term, a client uh, about recently was you have a a big picture and you take that picture and you break it up into puzzle pieces. And your goal is not to complete the puzzle, but is to take that one piece of the puzzle and make it fit. And sometimes you grab the wrong piece and you you, you don't want to force it, but you keep working until you find that piece that works for you. And then you plug it in and you you just keep taking that piece out and putting it in and taking that piece out and putting it in until you don't remember ever missing that piece of the puzzle and then you go to your next piece and build it and so that's just kind of what I did I knew yeah obviously every and I work with quite a few addicts or who are in recovery and everybody wants everything all at once because you're like look at me I'm doing everything good for the first time of however long it's been throw me a parade yeah (laughs) throw me a parade and that's just a life doesn't care right. Sure. <laughs> right like i i mean i'm proud of you for making changes don't get me wrong but life as a whole the universe god like god cares i don't want to say that god definitely cares but you know like nothing happens instantly like you didn't go from a healthy even if you didn't work you didn't go from a happy person to an addict overnight sure. right like you didn't there was a point in time where it was fun until your addiction becomes a job
0: sure i had a and that that's and that's not necessarily quick progression. You no, talk about it and but everybody wants it to be fixed right instantly right I heard, now.
1: I heard somebody say something like along the lines of um if it took you 12 years to destroy everything, it's going to take you 24 double to, the time. to double the time to bring it back. Wow. to put it back. And I don't know if that's accurate, but
0: I it feels you are well, pace you're pacing that, right? Yeah, right. And I and I don't expect
1: it's going to take me 50 years to Fix my life uh, that was 25 years in addiction, um, but uh, it can be done, and it, and it, and it, you got to learn to be okay with it taking time. Like something I always say: it's process over outcome. Learn right. to enjoy the process.
0: Yeah, there's some beauty in that. And what you're doing today, you know, I know that you're working. Uh, we, we call you a life coach. You're working in a nonprofit and uh, in Oregon. And certainly are pouring into guys' lives, and this is part of how you, the reward of getting clean. Yeah, right? yeah, hundred percent. Like the the chance that I'm
1: even doing this job is because it, it's the same reason why I am sitting here with you today is that I have. I learned that sometimes it's not about goal setting; it's about finding your purpose and then being intentional with moments. Wow. Um, because for me, I'm. I, I don't want to say that I'm not driven by a greater goals in life but I I, um, early on it became about like oh I'm not doing this and then I would tear myself down and Mm -hmm. beat myself up and it became almost an unhealthy addiction trying to achieve goals and then if I wouldn't you missed the mark I missed the mark or and then I would I wouldn't I would end up being so focused on where I missed the mark that I wasn't allowing myself grace for the wins that I was having right and so learning to be intentional with what I believe God has called me to as far as my purpose. Um, then when opportunities present themselves is how I'm in this job now, sure. um, the opportunity presents present itself and I, and I'm, I'm not scared. Right. Like, I'm not afraid to be like, step out and like, you know, you could have easily said, no, James, I don't want you to sit here and, and tell your story to me. Like sure. you're, it's not interesting. Right. <laughs> and, but that have been okay. Right. But because, and, you know, the reason I'm here is to go, um, be here to support Brock in, in the per- night to prevail. And the reason, um, that happened is because we have a mutual friend who we have on Instagram and he was on a live with him and made a comment and I just bugged him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's so cool. So that's just, you know, I think that's it. It's like learning what your purpose is and, and everyone's purpose is different, but learning that purpose and learning to be intentional with your moments. And how I find that you do that is like you look first, you learn to practice gratitude because when you can have gratitude, you can be grounded in the moment.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) If you stay right here right now and just to give your best effort today or not even today. And I know a lot of guys are trying to break it down. Maybe even by the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can I do something this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Or this minute. Yeah. And that's literally how I lived
1: for the first two years of my recovery probably was like, I'm just going to live in this moment because I don't, you know, it may not be over, but I can't look at the big picture. I can't look at everything I had and everything I lost uh, because I'll drive myself crazy, but I can look at like what I'm doing today to, I, I don't ever, I don't want to go back to who I was. Sure. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to build it back to what it was because what it was, wasn't healthy, but I can build it. I can create a new, better. <laughs> when
0: what, what you're doing today, when you say, let's go back to a little bit to your fitness, you're, you're going to the gym or how, what does your routine look like today? Dude, I am, uh,
1: I am driven by routine and schedule. Okay. Um, I'm, oh man, that's a big question. I am up early. Okay. I start my day usually between 4.30 and 5 in the morning. Okay. I pray. Okay. I read scripture. Okay. I make breakfast. I have coffee. I meditate um, after that, and then I journal. And some days I I work early because I open my local gym uh, Monday and Tuesday morning, but I take that 20-minute, five-minute drive into town, I listen to the audio Bible, and I pray, <laughs> wow, and then that that starts every day, every day Monday, I don't ever sleep in i I if I do, it's usually Sunday, but sleeping into me is six o'clock in the morning fair sure. and so but I, I do that every day. I go to bed at the same time, like I created routine because um the one thing you can control in this world or is your attitude and your effort, mm-hmm. and part of your attitude and your effort are very very dependent on the variable of how much sleep that you have sure. at least for me sure. sleeping lack of sleep is my kryptonite if yeah. i'm tired then uh, i'm irritable not all yeah i'm irritable and i'm like the thought of giving like oh i don't need to go to the gym today or i don't need to do this today or i just want to quit or i don't want to like like it you know it creates a, a problem for me so i really focus on making sure i eat really healthy
0: and making sure i sleep seven hours a day okay so that's a great great rule of practice but putting things into practi- practice today I give you results tomorrow. We talked right. a little bit about that. Absolutely, that's that's just it. It's like I can't,
1: I can't look in the rearview mirror for too long. But it's important to take glances. It's important to like look back and go, wow, look at where you you were a three hundred and fifty pound meth addict three and a half years ago, right? And you know, I'd be able to look at that progression of going and like. I, I, I have a few collages of I didn't take a lot of photos back then because because sure. uh, of the amount of shame I was living with, um, but I have a few. But I, and I put them in a collage and I will look at it and I'll go, holy cow! Even from what I looked like two years ago, and I'm clean and sober, and I had lost, oh, like seventy pounds. And you're sure. thinking, wow, seventy pounds—that's that's a lot of weight. But then I lost another seventy. Like I think I got down from three fifty to one hundred ninety-four pounds. Wow. So I lost. Like a human being, more than a human being. (laughs) Like, I lost a human being, an adult, yeah, (laughs) full grown adult. So, you know, I think that's just it is that, like, what you said about that process is that I learned that if I can put this process to work uh, to change myself physically, I can apply those same principles to anything and I can find success. Will it be as elaborate as my dreams are? Maybe not. But if you shoot for the sun, you're gonna land on the moon.
0: And that's still a lot better than uh, where you came from, where I came from. Exactly. You know, you, you, we obviously come cut from the same cloth, uh, drive, energy, recognition of, of, of patterns in our lives, the things we do. How is that affecting your relationship with your family today? So some of the things you do today, obviously are about your family and the the idea that we get the chance to be with our kids today and, and, and have that opportunity to, to play a part in a role in their life. Tell me about that. I hate using the word regret. Because
1: everything that I've experienced in life from infancy to sobriety um, has shaped me into the person I am today. And for the first time in 43 years, I can truly say I love the human being that I am today. But the one thing I I will say that I probably regret is I didn't take the responsibility serious uh, of being a parent. You know, it, it seems cliche because we all have parents and at some point our parents did a bad job because they're human um but i don't think the gravity of the situation really set in until until i became sober of that the job as a parent is literally shaping someone's life mm. and not only reshaping that person's life but who our kids become go on to affect countless thousands of people that they interact with and so um there's no job I love more than being dad. I, I love being dad. And I hope uh, no matter what, even if I don't achieve my lofty goals and aspirations, if I can end a degenerational curse, if, I, if it ends with me, mm-hmm. and I can propel my children onto being somewhere else because I've shown them what it's like to scrape yourself up from the... Like, it doesn't get much more, more bottom than where I came from. If I can show them that you can do that, and I can show them that you can lead a life of faith over fear... And that you, there is no such thing as dreaming too big and you can put in effort and you, there's no guarantee, but you can put in the effort and you can keep trying. If I can teach them that, then I will be, when my
0: last breath happens and I'm laid to rest, I'll be at peace. Wow. That's powerful, man. Thanks for sharing that. I think you, uh, I think you've talked to every dad out there. You certainly talked to me just from the aspect of like, we have a greater purpose. Like, there's several things, you got healthy, right? You got a little bit healthy, yep. you got sober, yep. right? So that fixes some things for you, you start looking at yourself in the mirror, proud of who you are, now you fix your family. I want to jump into the, the stuff you're doing up in Oregon, the people that you're working with, and just the reward you get for kind of, I want to say going to work every day, you've talked about it being Uh, joyful thing talk to me a little bit about the work and effort that you guys are putting in up there and what you're doing to help that community I work for a nonprofit called Lutheran Community Services
1: and they have offices um, from Seattle uh, Boise Portland and then all the way down to Klamath Falls I live in a little city of McMinnville I live outside of there Um, and Lutheran does a little bit of everything for the community I work um, in a child welfare team and safe families I help people navigate parenthood who have who are dhs involved okay or people who are in uh recovery communities and i sort of peer manage but my main goal is to teach parenting skills okay and something i always open with as i sit here because with clients as i say i'm here to teach you how to parent yourself so you can become a better parent Wow! and because i'll you know i don't truly believe there are bad people we just get shaped by experience and most people that I work with have had a lot of bad experience from their own upbringing and so you know some of it's just teaching people how to bond with their kid some people don't know like even like mothers with young children don't know that like you you know like take that time to hold them and just when when you first get home take that time to hold them build that bond let them know that they're safe and they're loved and be consistent that's every client I have the one thing I always work on is routine and consistency because most people that I work with either come from an area of, you know, abuse from their own childhood or they're addicts. They're sure. either, it's some people are still in active addiction. And so like, you know, most addicts don't live a routine life. Sure. <laughs> routine life. Bouncing around from this thing <laughs> to, to that, that thing. thing. Right, yeah, quick, and go, everything now. everything else in between. And so learning that like, you know, like one thing, part of the reason I get up so early is a, I needed to change my relationship with the sunrise. And that was probably like my, the first really big healthy thing I did for myself is because when I had seen the sunrise, I hadn't gone to bed. And there were times that I don't even know how many I had seen in a row without sleeping, but I knew it wasn't healthy. So I changed my relationship with the sunrise. And so, and then I realized that like, okay, if I get up two hours before my kids have to be up. So if I get up at four thirty or five in the morning, and I, I have two hours to do the things that I need to do to be healthy before I have to be dead. And so that's probably with every client is the one thing I like, that's my goal because I, I write out goals. Sometimes they're DHS mandated. Sometimes they're stuff I work out with them. But most everybody I work with is like, I need to get more scheduled and routine. And so I'm like, do this. i like, and you don't have to do all the things that I do because it doesn't necessarily work the same for you, but like getting up an hour and a half before your kids do that allows you to shower that allows you to have your cup of coffee if you pray you can pray you can do self-care right and i'm huge on self-care and especially with like some of my younger clients they think that sitting in front of the tv and playing video games is self-care and i'm like that's downtime Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's not self-care is self-care is is it proving you mentally is it proving you physically and is it proving you spiritually and if it's not then you're that's not self-care and sometimes, like the the mental thing is is going and getting a pedicure. That's something my daughter and I will go. I try to go do once a month is go get pedicures with my daughter, right. um, because it makes you feel good. It's like getting a haircut. Like that's part of improving yourself physically, or, or you know, and and like that kind of double back onto that whole. I wouldn't be who I am mentally today if it wasn't changing myself physically. Mm. And That like learning self love came from taking care of myself and like improving myself physically to where I I started to like like the way I physically looked again changed everything for me mentally
0: (laughs) yeah you know let's, let's talk about those three again physical mental and spiritual so here's what happens in my mind and you know you jump in anywhere you want but the order of them is unimportant I have a ton of people that come in and they can get spiritually fit pretty good. And spiritually is how I feel about myself on the inside. Yes. You know, a lot of people think that's an external, um, you know, a God and you, you call a God, I call a God, that's fine. A, a greater power, higher power. So we, they have a good connection with that. And that's awesome. If you found that first and you start feeling good about yourself first, that's great. But you've got this physical and mental thing. And if you don't fix all three of those, you're definitely going to find yourself at some point relying too heavily uh, on the other. Right. You're right. it, it. it It is all... so cliche.
1: And the reason it's cliche, it is about balance. You can't be... um, For a while, I will be honest, I probably started leaning on um, the physical transformation as an addiction. Uh, I hadn't healed from my divorce. Um, I hadn't reconciled with my children all the way yet. And the biggest thing is I hadn't reconciled or forgiven myself for my past. And so I started running. And I really... I even told somebody one time, I think I'm running so much because I would run like 50, I was And I was in horrible shape still. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I would run like 15 miles a day. Um, I'd break it up into three, five miles. That's not, not one continuous okay. time. But Sorry. I would... Still pretty, pretty impressive. Right. So i probably run... But I was... And my friend was like, well, I'm, why are you running so much? I'm like, I'm running to break the chains of my past." And part of it was freeing because when you sit there tweaked out and you get up to 350 pounds, that's a lot of sitting. <laughs> That's a lot of city. A lot of downtime. A lot of downtime. A lot of really busy downtime. A lot, not a lot right. of being accomplished, but a lot of move, right? Short movements. Um, so part of it was freeing. Like I remember the one first time I went out to this place. Um, it's a great little uh, four mile hike uh, out in the woods called Miller Woods, where we live. And I ran, and I remember running past people, and I was just, woo! And people are looking at me like you're crazy, and I probably was, and I and I probably am. Um, uh, but I was so freeing. It was liberating. I felt like a little boy running downhill again because I hadn't done that in, I don't, a decade. Sure. At least, you know, and so it was liberating. But then I realized, no, you're running from your past because you don't know how to forgive yourself. Yeah. Because I I, I love my kids so much. And the fact that, like, the selfishness of my addiction, I hurt them, was was a lot to learn to forgive myself. And I think the one way that has really helped with that is just showing up every day, learning to be consistent and routine and supportive and, you know, showing them that I've changed. But to, to your point is that yes, if you rely too heavily on one, it can become an unhealthy addiction. I mean, I know professionals who make lots of money mm. and they're horrible dads, right? because they have they're still not fulfilled they're not fulfilled right because it's not about it's not enough it's not enough or that they have focused on creating buying the bigger house buying the bigger car and working 12 to 16 hour days but their kids are just wondering when dad's going to come home. so it's about it's it is it's about balance it's like yeah i know that work and being creating stability is very important to the home and it took that was a long that took me a long time to get to where I am to like be able to be on a vacation and create have a home and stability in a car again. It took
0: three and a half years. Wow. <laughs> um there's definitely some stuff about time in there, but also I want to go back to something that you talked about that's hugely important to the to my listening uh, you know, audience and and that is the healing. Like you, we can run if we want, you yeah, can run, right. but eventually your trauma and your garbage from your past, it's going to catch up to you and it's gonna probably be heavier if you've let it gather almost some steam. Yeah, agreed. And that's
1: I, 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 something I share often is that like, you can, sh- like every cartoon ever when little boy or girl is supposed to go clean their room and they just shove everything, uh, everything in the closet and then eventually someone opens it and it all comes spilling out that's exactly what happens with trauma. Um, and I feel like in my own life, zero to three, I don't remember a lot of it, but it was very unhealthy and scary. And we'll leave it at that. Um, but that created a series of events that never healed until I found drugs and alcohol. And then for the next 24 or five years of addiction, I kept shoving everything Mm -hmm. in that proverbial closet until it all spewed out and then I didn't know how to heal it and but I was sober um I found a therapist who I still see um once a month and I do EMDR therapy okay and that has been a huge game changer as far as healing those traumas and there's still a few more I need to work on because like you said they resurface and they don't resurface in horribly unhealthy ways you probably uh-huh. recognize them better. yeah i recognize yeah i not i only not only do i recognize them better but if they get pointed out by a loved one or a trusted, trusted confidant i'm not defensive right. right or as defensive i should say yeah, <laughs> as true. i probably would have been you know and then i'm like okay a couple of people are saying this so there's probably something i really need to look at and i need to bring into my next session um that's huge my
0: relationship with god is huge it's a huge part of my recovery tell me what that looks like i have i guarantee somebody that's sitting on their couch right now rolling their eyes or are sitting in their office or their headphones in the gym and they're going i don't get what you're talking about because the god that i serve and or believe in today is not the god that my mommy introduced me to when i was seven years old right right so talk to me about that god and what that really looks like but what is it what is it in your life when you say you're relying on or leaning on that god what is what does that look like
1: I think in my own life, and this is only speaking from my perspective, is that I always thought God was going to be this God that moved physical mountains and that like the miracles were going to be the miracles of Jesus feeding, uh, 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and five fish. But what I've come to find out is that God whispers Mm. and he's soft and he's subtle. And, um, the miracles that we see um, are the reason I'm sitting here today talking to you, right? God has put people in my life and situations in my life. And I'm not saying he, I didn't do the work or the legwork to make them happen. But because of those miracles, I have a support system of people who I can call if I feel like I'm down and my dick, like, Hey, Brock, I'm struggling here. I'm kind of feeling like I might be using, or Hey, Marcus, I'm, I'm struggling with my spirituality, you have advice for me, or hey, 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 for whatever's going on, or hey man, I need somebody to come lift weights with me today because I need need to be challenged or pushed. That's what God looks like to me. And I went into a really scary church when I was a boy um, that was very hellfire and brimstone. And I I had already been labeled as a bad kid. And by this time, you know, when I'm really having to go to church, I'm like 12 or 13 years old. I'm not, and like, I'm already feeling like a bad kid and you're just going right. to tell me I'm condemned to hell. I'm like, well, what the heck is the point? Even part of me being there, um, you know, I think one of the truest things in the Bible is that God is love mm-hmm. and learning that, and then learning that I've been forgiven. And I, and I, and I see that forgiveness. And someone had told me, my friend Rob had told me once is like, James, because I was struggling with that forgiveness thing and he was like, James, and he has a real thick southern accent, but I won't try to do that. And he's he like, James, um, someone told me one time about forgiveness. He's like they said to me, Rob, do you believe that God has forgiven you of all your sins? And he's like, Yeah, absolutely. And he's like, Then what makes you better than God? So, like, what do you mean? So, like, well, what makes you better than God? Why can't you forgive yourself? Well, and so that would that's like a really profound thought. Like, so if this is my faith and I believe this to be true, um, that God has forgiven me, then what we'll, then I should be able to forgive myself because I am
0: not greater than God. Right. And there's no ego in that. Like a lot of people think, and I know that there's audience that their family looks at us and says, you're crazy. Like you guys, oh, you want everybody to forgive you. And I'm not expecting that. And there's no, like, I'm better than because I got sober, I'm fixed. It's more about the fact that because, you know, I show up because, you know, I'm trying to be a better person, you don't have to forgive me. You'll want to, right. right? Because I'll have I'll have proven to you in some fashion that, that I'm, I'm not the this, person I was ten right. years ago, eight years you're, ago, whatever it was. Exactly. I think that's just it. Is it like
1: I don't want one of the rudest things anybody's ever said to me was, "Of course you're Christian because of where you come from." And I'm like, I had a hundred thousand different options or choices, and how I came to God is deeply personal and I won't touch on that right now, but how I came to God is, is, was profound. Um, a big part of it was my friend, Marcus, and the other part of it was my son, Cash. Um, who's like, I think i you know, he's like, I'd like to read the Bible. I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. There's, there's great lessons in there. And this is before I had gone back to church and, and got rebaptized. And I'm like, there's great lessons in there. And so he starts reading it and like two weeks later, he's like, I think I want to go to church. And I never pushed religion on my kids because I figured, like, I feel like it's a deeply personal thing. If that's something you want to be invested in, then I'll obviously support that. And so we started going to church, and we never
0: quit going. And so that's sort of how I found God again. That's awesome. Yeah, I th- I think the fact that you found God when you when you say I found God or again found this higher power it motivates you to just keep on finding. And yeah, discovering. And, and, and discovering and and learning what that relationship really looks like, and.
1: Knowing that I serve that God saw me through man, to experience what I've experienced in life and to be where I'm at today, I feel it'd be very arrogant and shameful of me to say that there wasn't something greater than me that led me to where I am today because I know where I go when I lean on myself. And what started this spiral was I had gone back to school. I was in shape to buy a home. I was buying cars. I was making good money. I had this, had this pretty wife. had this really pretty home. had everything that I ever thought I needed. And I started making horribly selfish I statements. Mm. I can look back on this and go, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. And what I did was build something and then, Tear it down. I didn't just tear tear it down. I took a blowtorch and some napalm and Uh and a nuclear bomb and I I wiped it to oblivion (laughs) because that's, because that's who I am. Right. Right. And that's what I mean. Like I know where I get on my own and it's not where I am today. Wow. And and that's, and that's what really leads me to believe me. Wow. Or, you know, I'm a Christian and so I, I believe in Jesus and, and I'm not saying like, as long as you're not doing believing in something that's causing harm to people, I'm, I'm not here to convert you yeah. or judge you because that's not my job. I'm the last person on earth that wants to judge anybody because I don't want to be judged. Right, yeah, <laughs>
0: and absolutely. I have a,
1: plenty of skeletons in my closet to be judged for.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of that. Where, yeah, where we we drop that. I mean, I think I drop a lot more of that judgmentalness. Um, some of those key characteristics in in recovery is not just fixing. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. It's fixing that I don't look at you in a certain way. I write, I I respect that you've come through some ugliness. You've healed from some trauma. You've been on a journey. So no matter how many tattoos you have, no matter how your hair looks, no matter how clean or how dirty you are, no matter any of that, I don't care if you're taking the steps of process to improve your life today. That's right. And I, I, that there is
1: nothing on this planet that excites me more than that. Like I love, see, I don't care... If it's you're a, a multi-millionaire, but you always wanted to lose a hundred pounds, or you're um, a desolate hobo who has nothing and you've been sober for twenty-four hours, or you're a your your special needs, or you and you're a power lifter, or 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 or, but you're putting an effort to do something that somebody told you you couldn't do, or wow. more importantly, you told yourself you couldn't do, and you're doing it. And that feeling of reward, I know you felt it too. There's oh, there's like better. I remember um the first time I got a serotonin high. Okay. I like I, I remember this day my we live out in the hills of wine country in Oregon. And I and I ran up this hill and from our house to the hill was one point seven five miles all uphill. Okay. I mean all uphill. And I ran it. And like not a horribly fast speed. I think I did it in like eleven or twelve minutes. So like, but up, up uphill. Sure. And I remember getting to the top of that and I'm so winded. But I felt this run. I have done every drug under the sun. And I have never felt higher or better. Like that hard work of to earn a serotonin hit right is like if somebody would have told me that at 12 years old like hey dude you can be by, super the, way, disi- by the way if you're super disciplined and structured and consistent and you keep pushing yourself to new heights like you're going to experience a super great feeling like if somebody would have explained to me like that discipline wasn't just going to a job you hated every day right. and doing it <laughs> like cause nobody wants to go to a job they hate every day like or right. or just be seen as a a provider and not a mm-hmm comfort you know, or our nurturer, right? Like I feel kind of off topic, but that's where and fatherhood in America has really suffered, is it like dads have just become sure, the money. Right? right. And they're not they're they're lost. So many fathers from generations have just, that's just been the job. And so there's been this key nurturing aspect of fatherhood and manhood um that has been lost in the last hundred years. But yeah, had somebody told me like, dude, you can get High off of serotonin, like the serotonin hit, like that was. I, I mean, I will never forget that day, and I feel like that's kind of what happens when you level up, and and it doesn't happen as often as it did because, well, my levels are, (laughs) the
0: peak is getting higher, and so it takes a lot more effort to get to where. I want to go, but I think you're pursuing it. Right. I think if we are going to say anything in closing that we are working towards that version of ourselves, but the best part is we don't arrive tomorrow. No. Right. You keep on working. Like if you run a half marathon, then the next thing you're going to do run a marathon. Right. Right. And keep on going, keep on trudging, keep on pushing yourself to be better and better. that in all, in all aspects. That's exactly it. It's never about the
1: destination. It's all about the journey, man. I, and I love the journey. Like I, and it's funny too, because it's like, oh, you set goals and then those goals change and they evolve. And I think that's why I, I try to be more intentional than goal driven because like the intentionality is like, okay, you're going to change, continually change yourself physically. and You're going to ch- continually change yourself mentally. And like, how does that evolve? Because what worked for me a year ago, isn't what I'm doing a, Today, it better not. The best right. news is it better, better not. not. Yeah, right. because if you're, you because then you're not growing. You're just it, right? You're going through the motions. You're going through the motions.
0: Yeah, exactly. and I think you hit on that with fathers. Is is that the reward we get of fatherhood, and uh, in anything in our life, in relationships? I'll just say relationships. The rewards we get from that are not just necessarily what somebody put in some book somewhere or something you read. Right. You're gonna know when you're being a dad. You're gonna know what some of that stuff uh, feels like. You've told me uh, a little bit about some of the experiences you get to have with your kids today that you never had when you were high. You missed out on. And they're not necessarily massive, I'm going to say, Six Flags events. No. They're these quiet moments, sitting down and having dinner with your daughter. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, or having, you, you know, and my and sister. sister. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, dude. The...
1: uh one of the greatest rewards is that I have this relationship with my two beautiful little sisters, and we're we're you know, and part of that is a was, you know, we're very different people. I'm quite a bit older than both of them, and the lifestyle I lived for a long time was very opposite. But because of my relationship with God, um, man, we text every morning. They tell me they they love me. I tell them that I love them. We support each other. Uh, last weekend was my baby sisters. It was a day before her. Sorry, I got to do the bath, Jace. She turned 31. It's her 31st birthday. So we all went out to breakfast together. Her husband and my other sister, Jillian. Jillian's two daughters. My mom, my girlfriend, and both my kids. So we're all out to breakfast together. And then we all went and... Sorry, I'm about to cry. <laughs> we, uh, we all went out and watched my niece play basketball. And that seems silly. But it's uh it's huge because it, at the end of the day all you really have is family. And the fact that we were able to show that much support and that much love for one another and just that one and then we all went to church together the next day. <laughs> you know, it's like like those were things that didn't happen. Those were the little things that didn't happen. My son coming up and telling me that he loves me. Um that his football team went pretty far in the state playoffs this year and Uh, there was a lot of time that I didn't go to football games Uh, and and they lost in the semifinals and just to be there and I didn't say anything. I just put my hand on his head and I gave him a hug and things like that are there, there that weren't there. Right. Like this, this shit that I took for granted because it just seemed like it was going to be forever. And as your kids age, it doesn't take very long for you to realize it isn't going to be forever. And then as you age, and your parents die, and your friends die, and the people around you die, you realize that, man, this thing is really precious. And it can come and go uh, really quick. And so you better capitalize on each moment. And most of the time we spend chasing stuff that's going to not be here um, in 100 years. Your home is gonna be somebody else's home. The car you're paying for is gonna end up in a dump. The TV you bought's gonna be scrapped and in the dump. You know all that's going to last is the memories that you create and the love that you share that's powerful and that's what life boils down to um my legacy may not be millions of dollars but my legacy will be um how i'm remembered by the people i interact with and
0: uh my family and so that's what i focus on that's powerful stuff and that's a great place to put your focus I just wanted to finish by saying, one, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the uh, the flight down, man. It's super honored to have you here. I'm so proud to be here. I'm honored. I'm, I'm proud of you, but I'm also proud of you, the listener who's tuned in and says, man, I don't know how to do this. I'm here to tell you if guys like me and James can take this journey and leave a legacy of hope and love and joy and happiness, and if nothing else, you show up tomorrow, I'm proud of you. Thanks for being with us. I hope you heard something today that gets you to take one small step into the version of the person that you want to be. For more content like this, subscribe to our channel below, or you can go on letsgorecovery.org. Until next time.